ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, once again, you have joined the best wrestling podcast on the internet that you have never heard of, Swanton Pod. I am Matt Knight, and I'm joined with Roadhouse this evening. Unfortunately, Beef McGinnis has prior commitments and could not join us, um, but... Roadhouse is joining us remotely. We had some cool stuff happen around the holidays. Uh, December 22nd, uh, Roadhouse and I got to go to the Holiday Bash event at the Greensboro Coliseum for AEW Dynamite, um, Rampage, and the Dark Tapings, which was really cool. And then uh, a couple weeks later, Roadhouse got to go to Charlotte with his dad to watch, um, was it the Battle of the Belts that you watched? Yes, sir. Battle of the Belts. It was it was a great time, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about it, and just just excited to talk about us actually getting to go to an event, which you know, with our families and our busy life, man, it it just doesn't always happen. Right? Yeah the uh, the the wives got together and uh, formulated a plan to give us a really cool Christmas present and the holiday bash tickets, and then it uh, kind of turns out through some of listening to our podcast and uh, hearing Roadhouse talk about. Uh, his experience with watching AEW and the product that it puts out kind of got his his bug started back for the you know for the wrestling. So he he kind of played catch up and uh, caught up on on all the all the episodes, the storylines and stuff, and ended up uh, presenting Roadhouse with uh, surprise tickets to go down to Charlotte to watch the Battle of the Belts. Yeah, and that's that's definitely something. Also, like I definitely want to touch on like. Uh, we could definitely get into how much fun, uh, you know, Holiday Bash was, and we could definitely touch on, you know, all the cool things that happened at Battle of Belts. But what I'm just seeing, and I don't know how you feel about this or if you're also seeing this trend, but like older wrestling fans, such as my dad, I mean, my dad was hardcore NWA, you know, uh, all of the territories, Nature Boy, you know, Arn Anderson old school wrestling fan uh he he just decided one day because i was telling him about it you know uh that it's kind of like the old school wrestling with a little bit of the new school you know spot fest type stuff uh my dad watched it man and I, I, when i tell you it was like you know talking talking to my dad because we grew up as a wcw fan you know we got to that was our bonding uh, me and my dad uh we've become way closer uh, as I've gotten older, which has been really cool to, you know, experience, uh, cause you know, dad and son butt heads, but to be able to connect on something again, like back in the day when we watched WCW, like he's really just came into his own on wanting to go back and watch all the AEW, uh, and, and it's just blown away by how much it is like old school wrestling, the promos, the wrestling, not all, you know, for lack of a better term, better term, not all the entertainment bullshit that kind of steered him away. Um, so that that's just been really cool. So I'm, I'm first and foremost, I have to give AEW a shout out for that, just for really bringing a 30 year quote unquote wrestling fan that stranded wayward back in, and and something for me and my dad to really connect on and and uh, you know get back into. And I've really enjoyed you know being able to, I guess spend more time with him and, and talk on something I'm very passionate in and just hearing him become passionate about it again. It's, it's just, been, it's been phenomenal. And I know that sounds all super sappy, but it's, it's just been cool to watch. And, uh, ha- have you had anybody who maybe was uh, a prior wrestling fan that kind of, you know, when the E became the E kind of went stray word on it and uh, now is, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. Tell m- me about it. Myself. Um, I, I do yeah, want to talk true. a little bit more about your dad, though, because um, I, it was a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago, what, about three weeks ago, um, your son's second birthday party mm-hmm. happened, and uh, your dad was there, and this was right after you guys went to Charlotte. And I had mm-hmm. met your dad on a handful of occasions, I'd say probably four or five times, like enough to where I knew who he was. He probably had an idea of who I was, even there was though there was a quite a, a bit of people you know, around at the the different parties or so, social events or things that I would see him at, but uh, we never really spoke until you know that that birthday party. He was like, "Oh, that's Matt. That's your podcast guy. That's the... now he has something to connect with me and is like a totally different dude as far as I guess the way that he speaks to me opens and, and yeah. opens up and everything else, which is really cool. That's that's one thing that I you know one motto that I, I like with this show, even though we do tend to to shit on WWE a little bit more than we do AEW. You know, wrestling's for everybody. It doesn't matter what product, you know, that you're watching, you know, as long as you like it. And 
a big problem that I have when I'm going into these wrestling forums and these Facebook groups is they hate, you know, you got WWE guys, you got AEW guys, and nobody can have their own opinion on anything without it getting shitted on. Now, I will say to that effect, though, there are some people out there with a lot of stupid fucking opinions in those groups, but those people are also the ones that I see shitting on others for liking something, which is what I really hate. And I think that WWE has created that environment with their PG era storyline crap. And AEW goes back to the traditional territories and you know, pure wrestling. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree with you. But so I want to kind of go back on, on something that you just said, um, because, um, you know, you said we shit on uh, the E a lot, WWE. So I don't really think it's so much shitting on them because I'm going to be honest with you. Five years ago, there was Impact, which I'm not at all comparing Impact with AEW because, you know, two completely different beasts. But it's not that we're shitting on WWE. I feel like as someone who, you know, five years ago, I was 25. That was the John Cena's. That was the major comebacks, Undertaker's. You know, you got excited, stuff like that, even 10 years ago. Like, that was my palette for wrestling because it was good stuff. I think I've gotten to that point where, you know, I was a WWC, or excuse me, WCW fan first. Great storylines there during my era of the WCW. Um, but so, you know, I, I want to touch on the fact that you say, you know, um, that we shit more so on WWE. Now, see, I don't think it's so much shitting. I, I, I think that WWE puts out a great product for a certain age category. Um, and, and let, let, you know, just looking back, I started as a WCW fan. I thought they had great storylines, great cruiserweight division, good wrestling, all that. And that's kind of what got me in. And then it started to go into the Vince Russo era. And once we got to the Vince Russo area, era, uh, which you may give me shit for this, I think that's when we started to go downhill. So I switched to the F. And once the F, you know, I, I was in love with the F. It was edgy. It was new. It was oh man, I'm like a little bit of a teenager and some of the stuff I probably shouldn't watch and like it, it caught my attention. Um, and then we started to transition into the E, but I was still into it because you still had your John Cena's, you had your big, you know, returns, The Rock, this, that, and the other. And, you know, I, it, it was still for me. Um, but now, you know, we had the only competition for X amount of years was Impact. And I'm not throwing shade on Impact. Um, they, you know, there for a while they had some good programming, but like WWE was really it. Now that we have that other option of real good wrestling, fairly good storylines, and I think they're getting better on a weekly basis. I just think I've outgrown the entertainment side of it as a wrestling fan. And I'm just more of a purist want to see the wrestling. You know, I was a cheerleader. I was a gymnast. So, you know, not every match has to be quote unquote spot fest, but like, I enjoy that as well. But I think it's a great mixture in AEW of getting that quote-unquote spot fest, high-flying, this, that, and the other, plus great technical wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you know, I, I started watching WCW, too. I, I was, I'd probably watched it for a year or so before I even, you know, turned over on Monday nights when, you know, the Monday Night War thing was, was kind of heating up after Sting changed his face paint. About, that was about the time that I started watching was, uh, like, Sting was on the outs as, you know, Surfer Sting, and he was going into the Crow uh -huh. Sting. Uh, the golden era. Yeah, and it was more of, you know, like, probably about a year or so when I started, you know, switching, you know, switching channels, and WWE was getting into the Attitude Era because they were having to, you know, they were having to do something to compete with, you know, the NWO and these real life storylines from the cartoon mode that they were in. And then I started, you know, VHS taping WWE Raw. Uh, Raw is War, the War Zone, VHS. whatever it is, you know. <laughs> and you know, I would watch WCW on Monday night all the way through. Yeah. Just hit the commercial spots and go over to WWE. But then the next night on Tuesday, I would watch uh, Raw is War. And right. then, like you said, the Vince Russo era, I, about the time that WCW really kind of lost it for me was when they changed their logo from the old uh, diamond plate uh, block letters to the WCW with the W's were wings and the C was yep. like all big and stretched in the middle. The, and they had the kind of weird. They had the uh, Mexican World Order. They had the NWO Wolfpack. <laughs> they had the NWO this. Yeah. They had the, you know, the... 
I mean, the only really spinoff that did anything for me was the Blue World Order over in ECW, and that eventually got, you know, fucked over by Vince Russo, too. But, you know, with AEW, yeah, it does have some of that old-school WCW feel, but I do think that they are more wrestling-motivated than they are storyline-motivated. And the thing that I think is really cool is that they do bring in local wrestlers to Dark, to some of the the you know the matches in you know that are even on TV and it's kind of combining the territory thing while not shitting on Firestar Pro Wrestling and AML and these local promotions i mean you have you know they loaned out you know Thunder Rosa and Ruby Riot uh, to was it GCW's uh, big event that they had with you know Matt Cardona and Joey Janela uh, about a week or so ago and it's really cool that which was unfortunately horrible. Horrible. They, th- I'm not going to talk about that yet. But if you haven't seen it, it's it's such a magnificent piece of shit that you need to go watch it. Uh, they, it's a train wreck. You can't not watch. They <laughs> threw everything: the kitchen sink, the outhouse, my grandma's uh, fine china, solo cup. Um, they threw everything, including Hornswoggle. Excuse me. Now Swoggle into this match. And it still didn't do anything for me. The biggest, the highest point was this guy named Stackhouse, probably about a six foot two, six foot three guy, 400, 450 pounds, would you say, Roadhouse? I mean, doing. Do let's it. just say the, the dude, the dude hasn't missed a McDonald's meal in a while. But he, okay, so Bray Wyatt was the eater of worlds. This guy was the eater of McDonald's. He did a moonsault 100%. backwards off the second rope uh, and just barely missed Swoggle. That was the, the that was the high spot in the match for me because I'm like, this big bitch isn't gonna do this. And he proved me the fuck wrong, uh, you know. But back, 100%. To, but back, and he rotated. Yeah, yeah. But back to the the you know the AEW point about you know the enjoyment of it. It also doesn't help that you know we both know one of the wrestlers there. Shout out to Griff Garrison. We've been able to see him kind of develop in his character and a little bit of a push and some storyline stuff go with him. And yeah. I watched the Sammy Guevara blog. Or vlog religiously, and those two, those yes. two guys. I mean, Griff has such great chemistry with everybody backstage. Um, you know, the spots with the, um, the the vlog championship belt that you know Griff's the champion because they he sunk you know some water bottles into a trash can and beat uh, Dustin Rhodes for that. I mean, that's shit that a lot of people just don't subscribe to on TV. But with the age of YouTube and everything else, it's like these wrestlers are, have figured out how to bring us into the quote-unquote inner circle that they have. Well, and what's cool about that, um, you know, like you said, it's something that we didn't have growing up. So now not only do you get to connect with, you know, let's let's use Griff as an example. You don't get to connect just with Griff Garrison or Sammy Guevara or, you know, Alan Angels, you know, as a wrestler. But you, you get an inside look to, you know, their travels and, you know, them hanging out at the hotels. And you, you, you really feel like, like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, like I'm friends with Griff, but like I also feel like I'm friends with Sammy. I'm friends with Tay Conti. I'm friends with Alan because. I want to be friends with should. Fuego del Sol. I want to be, Fuego del Sol is my fucking spirit animal and I need to keep him <laughs> in my fucking front pocket 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, I may gift, holiday gift, Fuego del Sol matches, uh, masks to everybody I know this year because just seeing, exactly. seeing his personality on the vlog and then seeing him run in the ring, you know, to help Sammy and how, you know, close him and Griff and the boys are backstage. I mean, this guy is just phenomenal. I mean, Dustin Rhodes calls him his son. This is an off TV storyline that plays in my mind when I'm watching this stuff happen on TV. And I think that that Tony Khan has given these guys such creative freedom that Vince and his back office never did with his guys it, to include uh, the whole Twitch licensing you know issue that sent a lot of people away for a little while. Zelina Vega going to drop a name there, you know. And I, th- I think that he's kind of found the magic format of you can't be in one hundred percent you know creative control. 24 hours a day, seven days a week with this new developing world outside of what I can put on TV. Right. And well, here's the thing too, like the closest quote unquote that we can be to the vlog was total divas. And so like, 
you saw them outside of the ring, but scripted. it was just, scripted. and I'm not trying to be sexist, but it was just the females. Like, you know, you had a John Cena here and there and, you know, uh, you, but, but like you get to see these wrestlers as people doing normal things and that's, that's how they connect so well. Yeah, I'm going to give credit where credit is due there, too. Uh, I would 100% watch Total Divas any day of the week over Rhodes to the top. I don't um, know what it is yeah. about Brandy Rhodes outside of the ring. I've never met her, but the formulation of the personality that I that I, I grasp from her is I just don't like her. I don't. I have my own opinions about Cody after the show because... I know what kind of like charity work he is. What we saw at the you know the end of Holiday Bash, where he stayed, greeted fans, went throughout the crowd. I mean, did his due diligence to make everybody there have a good time. But mm-hmm. Brandy don't. She didn't. She don't, she's not hitting on too much for me. She, she doesn't. She doesn't do it for me either. Um, but on that note of you know us getting to see that almost fan interaction, quote unquote you know, personal interaction that we did get to at Holiday Bash. Let's talk about Holiday holiday Bash a little bit. First and foremost, I'm going to say uh, first live event for myself and since I was 13 or 14 years old um, as, as a wrestling fan. And I went to that with my dad and we sat in the absolute nosebleeds and couldn't see half the ring. And, you know, it was it was great experience with my dad, but it wasn't. It wasn't like where we were. Um, shout out to both of our wives. I, I, I won't say their names since we have cool names. I don't want to. I call you know. mine. I call mine wifey sauce anyway. So, and that's what I yeah, refer so your wifey re- sauce refer to her and, to on and, the on the on the other podcast. Checkmate with Bishop Knight. Go check it out. It's a great show. Check it out. I, I feel the plug. Uh, follow me on TikTok at d brown four two seven nine zero. There you go. Um, so, uh, you know, your wifey sauce and my Amanda, she uh, definitely, they definitely got together. And so here's the thing. I definitely don't think that they realized that they booked us for such an awesome show, um, it being the holiday bash. But, like, it, I, it was a big time show. I didn't realize it was what it was. Um, she was, you know, I had said something about it. You know, being in Greensboro, I was like, that's cool, they're going to be in Greensboro. And you know me, the way that kind of my my schedule is, her schedule is, the arrangement, you know, we have with my stepdaughter's dad, and kind of how days and the universe has to align for us to do anything. Um, You know, kind of like Mm -hmm. this podcast, I was looking, the last time, you know, anything was uploaded was September 5th. You know, that's five months ago, dude. That's half a year before, you know, know, that we started this thing until now and are, are getting some... Uh, some some game footage down, you know what I mean, and you know. Well, and on that note, we now figured out how to do this whole Discord thing. So be on the lookout for more episodes being uploaded more frequently. So make sure you follow, like, and subscribe. But continue on there. Yeah, and you know she, you know she was trying to be a little slick, and she said, "What are what a good good seats look like for this show?" And I was mm-hmm. like, "Uh, well, I mean, I can't." just tell you because I don't I haven't memorized the seat rows sections and numbers of the Coliseum so I pulled it up on Ticketmaster I was like by the way you're not being slick if I want to sit anywhere and not pay an you know acrimonious price for this this is where I want to be at and I <laughs> think that we could not for, for the price that the tickets were I don't think we could have sat in a better place being able to see the announce table and those guys come out and see the the ramp and the entrances the run-ins, and then also have, like, full visibility of, you know, the TV side of the ring. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're going to be very honest and very transparent here. We, uh, I mean, you know, my boy here kind of showed exactly where he would sit, but that didn't really guarantee that we knew where we were going to be, per se, or how close we were going to be. And we were like, okay, we're going to be on this side. It's going to be okay tickets, this, that, and the other. And we walked out and, like, our eyes lit up like it was Christmas because like, like you said, it was a perfect view of the ramp, the announce table. I mean, the, the ring, I felt like I'm no football superstar, but I felt like I could have thrown a water bottle and hit the middle of a ring. Yeah. And you know, I've been to, I think four, four, yeah, four, uh, live, live events or, you know, four shows at the Greensboro Coliseum and one out here at the LG, LJVM in Winston. And, uh-huh. 
the out of the shows, AEW just felt bigger than oh, yeah. any of the other shows. And, you know, I was there. I had almost the same sort of seats on a different area in the Coliseum for the Inferno match, uh, the first ever Inferno match between, I think it was Mankind and Kane. No, it, it was maybe it was the Undertaker and Kane, but it was the first ever Inferno match where they, you know, had the the, the propane piping around the outside edge of the ring, yeah, and Kane yeah. got lit, whoever got lit on fire first lost the match. Of course, it was Kane. Everything just, I mean, and you could feel the heat coming off of of, of the ring, which is a really cool thing to be like, wow, that's how do they feel in there? If I'm, you know, on the second, you know, second tier, you know, this many rows back, and I can feel it. it it, same coliseum, same you know size setup. It AEW just felt like a bigger show, and I think that's because they are more inclusive to the fans rather than WWE, who is putting out a product. If that makes sense. Yeah, and on on that note, what I will say, uh, you know, I don't remember the match of going when I was fourteen, uh, and, and that's just straight up honest. That feels like eons ago. But what I felt like was really cool was the interaction between matches with, you know, the announcer and also like getting to watch them change the the mat and the mat skirt from like, you know, dynamite to rampage to dark. Like that was just it was very interesting and very cool to me. Yeah, I think uh I do remember when I was going, and this is gonna this is gonna age me badly, but they changed it over from Sunday night heat. To uh, to the to the pay per view, so they had filmed Sunday Night Heat before they filmed the the pay per view that I went to, and then I was I think the first one I went to was Fall Brawl '98. I could mm, I so could, was that the LJ? That was no, that was at the Greensboro Coliseum, um, I believe. Uh, that was the one where they had they they did war games with you know the double yeah. the double rings the double cage and Ric Flair had it was kind of the WCW versus the NWO and Ric Flair had his did a spot where his head was smashed between the cage door and the door frame that holds the cage and it was this whole big thing I think he had to take time off for surgery but it apparently the injury put him out you know for a while and, and created a bunch of heat between you know WCW guys and NWO guys and I think it it. It might have broken up that group of the four horsemen, which was uh, Benoit, uh, Steve Mongo, Mitt Michael, Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor, Lex Luger, and Ric Flair <laughs> at the time. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So let's get back to this holiday bash. Uh, so uh, a few big things did happen. Uh, Mark we- Henry, for one, that. Big ass Popeyes popcorn chicken eating bastard looks huge in a suit from you know um, as that close suit as was we- huge. Good <laughs> God! It, both of us and our children could have fit in that thing. Easy. Um, so one of the things which was billed to be like the big surprise of the night, which uh, I, I know that myself and you kind of—I mean, like it was a big thing, but like we're just not huge fans of this guy. Was uh, Kyle O'Reilly uh, making his debut? How'd you feel about that? It it didn't do anything for me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, me I with with Bobby Fish debuting, I was like, eh, it's only a matter of time. And you know, these these NXT guys are only like on thirty day non competes anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, next week when Johnny Gargano shows up, it's not going to be a big surprise to me. You know, it's not going to get right. a, it's not going to get a pop out of me now. Uh, something that I, I, since we haven't talked in a while, I don't think that we're going to hold off on talking about this particular thing. But you, I, and uh, uh, Beef McGinnis agreed on this that the biggest pop for me in a long time <laughs> has been freaking Danhausen, man. How cool was that spot? I mean, I don't think you could really categorize it as cool as much as evil. It was it was very elite, very evil. It very elite, very evil. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, uh, no, I'm that interested. Was, that was definitely cool. S- I'm interested to see if he starts a feud housing with the ass boys. Uh, I think that we are on a crash course for you know a very very evil feud with the ass boys, which I think he has been absolutely brilliant. He's basically made the feud out of thin air. And, you know, I will give props to AEW. They do all these debuts of all these guys. But, like, 
who the hell would have ever thought that that was going to be the time that he debuted? And who the hell would have ever thought that that was how he's going to debut from under the ring? Well, with as oddball uh, madcap, if you will, as his character is, and this is not a shout out to Madcap Moss. I'm using that. I'm using the term correctly as to where WWE uses his gimmick incorrectly. Uh, Danhausen really is a Madcap character, and there was there's almost no way that you could go wrong with debuting him. And it was just, it was just odd that he was under the ring. And you know what? That's cool because he's an odd guy. He he talks like this, and he does things with uh, the Ice Boys, and the, the whole feud got started on the WrestleCades and the Comic Cons, right? Yeah. And so here's the thing: I'm not gonna lie to you. Before he debuted, like I've heard the name, I've heard you guys talk about him, this, that, and the other. But I wasn't really. I didn't know him. I didn't have. I was. I was kind of middle road because I just didn't know what's the thing. So this week after he debuted, I've gone back, I've watched some YouTubes, I've watched just random clips of what Dan Housen, Dan is that how you say Dan Housen? Housen, Housen, Housen. Of what Dan Housen is about. And honestly, it's been so incredibly weird, but so incredibly enjoyable to watch. Well, it's like when we first discovered Orange Cassidy, right? We're like, who is this guy who just doesn't give a shit? And now I'm enthralled by how awesome this gimmick of being the least hardworking man in the wrestling business has become. Like, he is one of my favorites right now. Him Sammy, yeah. him and Sammy Guevara, like, they, they like it. I'm not going to leave out Jay Lethal. You know, when he debuted, it was great for me. And uh, Tony Khan, if you ever listen to this, get him on TV. I enjoy seeing him on Dark and Elevation, but get my guy on TV. Uh, his first Multiple match, times a week. His first match with Sammy Guevara was maybe the, the match of the decade. And that's a that's a big shout out to both of those guys. They I've well, I've watched that I've watched because... that match twenty <laughs> times since since it debuted. And I the next day I watched it like five times. I was like, this is I can't quit playing this over and over. Well, and that's a big rub from for, from you too. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, the biggest critic that I've ever gotten to talk wrestling with by far. It is my boy Knight here. Uh, I mean, like, I'll be like, dude, did you see that? That was phenomenal. He's like, eh, it's all right. So yeah. to get a rub like that from someone <laughs> like Knight, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, you're completely right. The, the match, the dynamic of everything about it was great. But for you to like something that much, it's just, it's a whole different ball game if that makes sense yeah and i'm a really emotional watcher too if that makes sense like i think you get the brunt of me being like uh why because like i have like i I have a dynamic with you where i just speak my mind i don't really sugarcoat much and i'm like yeah i can be in a shitty mood and be like you know what yeah it's it was a shitty match and it's gonna be a shitty match for the rest of my life because i was in a shitty mood when i watched it I apologize to that for any of our listeners because that does kind of put somewhat of a bias on my opinion. However, I'm always going to be honest about my opinion of the match. Like, I'm not going to go out here and, you know, jack off Griff Garrison when he had a shitty match just because he's my guy. I've made comments to Roadhouse about, like, wow, he really missed that spot, or I don't think that they should have had a win on this match because they're not in the caliber to wrestle this team yet. Now, see, that's not me shitting on the man because I see how far he's come and what his potential is and his athleticism, his chemistry, and he has the ability, but he is also still developing who he is in the ring. 100%. And so that's a that's another thing. Uh, I, I know that we've gone over a million different topics, so here's my thought process on that. And, and, and this isn't just you know, because Griff's my friend or I think, you know, I have any special like feelings towards Griff. 
you know, the one thing that obviously I he didn't like, even get us backstage at Holiday Bash. I mean, Jesus, this guy, <laughs> this freaking exactly. guy. We're Winston Salem natives, and you know, I'm I'm out here looking for car parts from his dad's, you know, his dad's business, and instead of Advance, when I do my next oil change, but you know, he can't get me into whatever, Griff. I I, I, I see how we are. Yeah, still shout out to you though. <laughs> yeah, still, man, love but, you, love you, brother. But it, it, it's like. Here's my thing. The one thing that I will say that I have been very critical over with AEW is, yes, it's cool we're bringing in the Daniel Bryans. It's cool where we brought in, you know, the CM Punks. But he, here's my thing. You have people like Griff Garrison, six, what, four, uh, great physique, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Wonderful. Really can the, the best spray tan that Winston-Salem can buy. You you made shout out you, to Palm Beach Tan Palm Beach Tan uh, Stratford Road in the in Thruway Shopping Center is it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that, I know. I, go, I just go I, see my wifey sauce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go just go go in and, and say who's keeping the score anyways, and get a ten percent discount automatically. Perfect. <laughs> um, but I mean, not, not only that, just a great physique. You know, potential. You know, out out the out the wazoo. With, you know, his wrestling ability, his wrestling knowledge, and in my opinion, the the fact of the matter is, is you don't have many natural, gifted athletes naturally sized like these Griff Garrison. Cause he's six foot four, and you can't teach that. How you doing? How you doing? But you you, you know you don't get that. I mean, look, not even just Griff, cause he's my boy, Jungle Jack Perry. You know what I'm saying? You get, you got, you know, Darby Allen, which they've been working on. But I also feel like, you know, with the Darby Allens, you know, we have a great storyline. And then he goes into the, you know, he goes into the shadows for a while until the next storyline they need him for. Uh, I think I, he's I, been pretty, one thing. I don't know. I think he's been pretty heavily pushed, especially now that they're doing this. I don't know where this angle with uh, Andrade del Idolo, um, that means and Andy the Idol. For you guys who don't speak Espanol, <laughs> uh, in the words of Sammy Guevara, I'm really fucking good at Spanish. I don't know what's going on there, but I do think that there's a split coming between him and Sting because of the whole. I want to, I want to speak to your boss. I want to speak to your boss. I know that sounds more Italian than Spanish, but you know that's the way you know Andrade kind of said it. You know, putting it in Darby's like Sting's not my boss. You know, he's my tag team partner. Yeah, so. Here, here's where I was going with that. Like, I, I love the big storyline for CM Punk's, the Brian Danielsons, you know, the John Moxley's. Great guys, great TV, <laughs> great wrestlers. But fact of the matter is, someone who you put into a random tag team, such as the Varsity Blondes, uh, that you know they had a big push there for a little bit, but then they're just kind of in the backstage now. Give them a chance to shine. Give them that like. I think, look at Kofi Kingston. I think they are, man. I, I mean, you look out, uh, Alistair. I'm, I'm doing a, a good old JR here. Uh, Malachi Black is, you know, he's one of the biggest draws, I would say, in AEW as well as outside because you go on Instagram and you have Rhea Ripley, you know, uh, promoting his, uh, his clothing line, which is cool as shit um, that they can do that kind of partnership outside of, you know, both brands, whatever. Um, but, you know, then they bring in Brody King. To me, you know, and that's why I wish that Beef McGinnis was here. He he knows more about kind of the independent, the non-commercial stuff than we do. And, mm-hmm. you know, Brody King, I've seen some of his stuff, but he when he debuted, it kind of, it, I didn't get a pop. I was like, oh, it's Brody King. You know, I knew he had the you know this tag team championship with, you know, Malachi, whatever. But then they kind of proceed to destroy the Varsity Blondes. Which you can say that that's not a push. To me, that's a push because to see Malachi flip Griff, throw him to uh, uh, King in midair. I mean, you have the, this guy, 6'3, six, 6'4, six, flips him over, throws him to the other guy, and then the other guy catches him and slams, to the, slams him to the mat. That's a huge execution, technically, to a wrestling fan like us, but also like 
while they're allowing these guys who are relatively inexperienced to be a part of this cool-ass storyline, and you have Julia Hart who is developing into a, from a cheerleader into you're kind of seeing her come out in some sexier clothes. She's wearing an eye patch. She's going to eventually dye her hair black or whatever it may be. I mean, you have, we just, I think we even discussed it, some sort of like the brood thing, the brood yeah. 2.0, if you will, kind of happening here. Maybe it plays out that way. Maybe it doesn't. But I still think that's a huge vote of confidence from, you know, Tony Khan and creative to the Varsity Blondes to be able to push the tag team division in the direction that that is. That I, I see what you're saying. But so here, here's they have full faith in, in, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. and, uh, you know, Griff Garrison and Julia Hart and this, that, and the other. The reason I feel like he needs a bigger or actual push is because, look, here's the thing. Yes, backstage they trust him enough to be in this big spot, this big storyline that's, in my opinion, eventually going to turn Griff on – Brian Pillman Jr. or, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. on Griff and Julia Hart's going to join the House of Black. That's my opinion, like it or not. But here's the thing. After that happens, go from there. Because we haven't seen them on TV until this spot for, what, three, four, five weeks. And in my opinion, a young talent like Griff, a young talent like Brian Pillman Jr., Jungle Jack Perry, this, that, and the other, in my opinion, if I am starting a wrestling company, and, you know, I'm signing all these big stars. I'm also going to have to make sure I am, you know, developing what could be my future once all these big stars that have wrestled elsewhere. I mean, I think that's happening. Um, just because we don't see it televised, I think it's it's happening. Uh, I go back mm-hmm. to uh, Dark from this week where you have Colin King versus, I think, Brandy Rhodes, maybe? And Colin King is great. Like, she's a big girl, and I don't mean that as, you know, wide. I mean that as tall and athletic. Good wrestler, impressive in the ring. Never really heard her on the mic. But even Mark Henry, uh, maybe it was Mark Henry or, uh, you know, Paul White said, you know, her, her record speaks for itself. I don't understand, you know, why she hasn't done more here. Yeah, but I think yeah, that I, I, I think agree. that the blondes are, are are getting more development outside of the ring, such as you know training, uh, weight training, lifting, in ring stuff, moves, different things. Because if you look, if you go from the first match we watched Griff, you know, in to now, his timing, my God, oh, it's one thousand percent better. I mean, he's a tall, lanky dude. But he's also put on some muscle. Uh, I need to hook him up with my steroid guy. You're a fucking choir boy compared to me. A choir boy. That's neither here nor there. But he's he's gonna be once he you know once he gets his you know old man strength so to speak. He's gonna be a big jacked guy. He reminds me of a baby face test. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Expect, dude. I've never. You've never said that, and I've never thought of it that way. But the big boot and everything. So I look at him as like a test test figure. A lot more, say, um, he just doesn't look struggles to move in the ring. He moves very fluently, if that makes sense. He he does. He he moves smaller than he is. A hundred percent. And I I think. Uh, from what you've told me, that that's one thing that um, Murderhawk, Lance Archer, had kind of tried to work with him on. It's like, dude, you're a big guy. I want you to move like a big guy. Now, while I see mm-hmm. his point, I also kind of enjoy seeing him move as a smaller guy because you have Luchasaurus, mm-hmm. who's big, and moves like he's twice as big as he is, and sometimes it just looks like he's staring off into space waiting for shit to happen. Yeah, and so on that note, I know we're on a completely different topic. Ray Phoenix spot. Ray Phoenix? Oh, God. I can't believe nothing was broken. It blows my mind. That was the luckiest unlucky spot that I've ever seen. Uh, that was... My opinion, that's over Sid Vicious. 
Well, Sid, that basically retired Sid Vicious when that happened to him. But I, for that to happen to Ray Phoenix and look as bad as it did from every camera angle that I saw it from, and they'd be like, no, it's just dislocated. I'm like, yeah, I knew it. My theory is right. You know, it's just like uh, Beef McGinnis has the theory about the Billy Gunn effect. I have a theory <laughs> that Ray Phoenix is made of rubber. And that, that, that proves it. It's, it's proof positive that Ray Phoenix is made of rubber. All right. So we have gone in so many circles, but let's kind of hone it back right here. Back to Holiday Bash. Um, phenomenal show. Um, it, was, it was very cool. The of superstars and like, uh, you know, like it blows my mind how large some of these people are. Like they look large on TV, but like Billy Gunn, we got to see him. Jesus. Was that at the Charlotte one? Dude, we got to see it at Holiday Bash as well. Him and yeah. Holiday Bash, correct? Yeah, he's, Dude, I mean, God, he is gigantic. Hol- uh, I mean, like the Billy Gunn effect is 1 million percent a thing. Like, he makes everybody look like my three-year-old, or excuse me, two-year-old son when he's standing next to him. You know, it's it's funny, you know, with Austin and Colton. Uh, Austin is thick like Billy right now, but mm-hmm. Colton, if, he's, if he has those genetics, which if you look at him in the face, I mean, he's like, you know, Walmart Billy Gunn. Pretty much to me. I mean, he, he, that's that. It is what it is. But he's tall like Billy, and as he gets older, he's gonna thicken up like Billy, and he's gonna be another big some bitch in the ring. And if he can figure out, you know, that he has more charisma than his, you know, asshole brother, I think he's gonna go places. I agree. Now, here, here's something I will say. I just love Billy Gunn. Cannot get on boys as a tag team train. Like 110%, and I'm just circling back. I'd rather watch Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy. I'd rather watch the Varsity Blondes. I'd rather watch... I mean, there's so many other tag teams that, like, yeah, they're not my favorite, but I can get behind them because in every match they do, they give me something to be excited about. I haven't had that moment with the Ass Boys. I think that may change if they place Danhausen and possibly Orange Cassidy correctly with them, because after the Adam Cole thing, I think that that Orange Cassidy feud's kind of done. So you get him, you get him, you know, with the best friends who, you know, gosh, who knows what's kind of going on there, feuding with the Ass Boys. What? You know, where does that go? Right. Um, so. Also, we've spoke briefly about Holiday Bash. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just straight up honest with you. Like it was one of the best times of my ni- uh, of my life. I got to enjoy it with you know my boy Knight. Uh, you know, it, it was just something we got to really enjoy and bond over. But you know, and, and it was great. Don't get me wrong, absolutely great. Uh, we we got to actually see the the title change where Cody took it took the TNT belt off of Sammy Guevara, which. Mixed feelings on both ends. If 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 you don't mind me speaking for you as well, Knight. Uh, after after I see the way that that storyline has played out as of yet, I'm not mad at it because holy shit, that unification match. I'm not going to give anything up. I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't watched it. Go out on YouTube. Just just watch that one match. That I. I was speechless. I I started watching it a little bit later than you and Beef, but oh my god! Mm-hmm. It was uh, I, I I'm one million percent like convinced that Sammy Guevara broke a disc in his back. I'm just mad that he didn't come out and cut a promo with Sammy Two Belts after that one or Sammy Big Time just to ja- do that little jab to WWE while he was still wearing. You know, the two belts. A hundred percent. Alrighty. So, Knight, you know, um, I'm not trying to change gears here. However, I'm just going to be real frank with you. I, we both enjoyed it, but it was so long ago. I feel like so much has happened since we went to Holiday Batch that l- l- let's kind of transition to uh, Battle of the Belts. The first time ever Battle of the Belts, I got a really cool shirt uh, since it was the first time ever. Stating I was at the first ever Battle of the Belts, which I'm like super excited about. I'll keep forever. I, I got to go my, with my dad. 
who uh, also is, you know, starting to transition into a wrestling fan again. And he's really gone back and looked over the past couple of weeks and really gotten back into it. I mean, he's sending me stuff like, bro, when is when are we going to see Arn Anderson and Tully, you know, really go at it? Not not necessarily wrestle, but I just I need a, a feud between them and their teams and sending me stuff like, you know, uh, Arn Anderson, man, like why the hell are they keeping him as a face right now? Because that that man is the baddest heel I've ever watched in my life. So it, it was just it was really cool to, you know, kind of share that moment with him. And, you know, we got to see the Battle of the Belt, which unfortunately it was Cody Rhodes was out with the COVIDs. So we got to see Dustin versus uh, Sammy Guevara, which was a phenomenal match in my opinion. But yeah, my whole thing for a guy was, who's sixty-seven was, years old getting in the ring and moving like that, Jesus. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> but here, here's the thing, and I'm be honest, like the the TV portion of Battle of the Belt was okay. Those matches were okay. It was, it was just okay. Period. It was an but hour, right? Sh- it was on. It was one hour on Saturday night. And it was one that was one hour. That was my gripe with it is that it was just the hour. And I'm like, I really expected more as much as this was hyped up. I mean, I get that they, you know, I get what they were doing, but I did expect more. Oh, I, and truth be told, as a, as you know, a quote unquote special televised event, Battle of the Belts, it's another. We, we semi-expected more, too. But when I tell you, you know, like I said, the the televised portion of it, it was okay. Uh, but the house show that they put on after the televised portion night was absolutely freaking phenomenal. We got to see every champion in AEW. We had some great matches. I mean, if you haven't been to a live event, whether it's, you know, just you know, a taping of one show and then maybe a house show. The house shows that Tony Khan puts on are very well mapped out and thought out, and it was phenomenal wrestle. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking something up. I, I completely agree with that. And to that point, when you go to a live show, it doesn't always have to be an AEW or a WWE uh, there is a fantastic event that's shaping up that got postponed because of, I think it was the call for snow or something with one of the local high school gymnasiums or something. But February 20th, um, AML Wrestling here in Winston-Salem, that's amlwrestling.com, February 20th, uh, they are presenting Acts of War Games and that event is going to be out of this freaking world. Guys like Tell me a little bit about guys that. like uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat are going to be there um, doing some autographs and stuff. What? There's uh, there was a girl, uh, gosh, what was her name? She was just on Dark. I'm I gotta go to uh, Beef McGinnis's Facebook page because he posts so much about this. And shout out to Beef for yeah. for, for promoting uh, local wrestling like he does. Uh, my gosh, he is an AML guy, and he just gets all of it out there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and some of these local wrestling guys are cool as shit. Like, I added Callis Vane uh, to my friends list on Facebook. And if I wasn't a dumbass and could actually post for the next 30 days, I'd give him a shout-out on this podcast, but I can't, so I won't. Yeah, hey, and so on that note, and, and I know we've spoken about it in previous podcasts, AML is a great promotion. Don't get me wrong by saying this, but... Firestar Pro Wrestling, LeBron freaking Cozone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. LeBron freaking Cozone. If you haven't searched him, if you haven't watched his matches, if you haven't seen him on Dark, search LeBron Cozone. You will see a well-versed, seasoned veteran of a wrestler making everything look like poetry in the ring, in my opinion. All right, so I was wrong about the dates. It looks like Ricky Steamboat will be at AML's All for Glory on Sunday, February 27th in Moxville, North Carolina. But they also do have an event on the 20th. 
So, I mean, AML does something basically every Saturday. Sometimes it's at the AML Training Center. Sometimes it's at National Guard Armories, high school gymnasiums, or whatever around the county. Don't let that turn you off because these venues are small. They're going to be some of the most fun shit you've ever been to, and I wish that my schedule 100%. was more flexible than it is because I would be at all of this stuff. I mean, it's, it's you know, oh, everything they do is within an hour driving distance of us, and the tickets start at like $5. I mean, there's no reason if you could if get like a VIP experience for 25 bucks or something. Yeah, there's, like there's no reason if you're a wrestling fan why you shouldn't go out at least once just to try and see what your experience is like supporting your local promotion. There's no reason why you well, shouldn't be doing thing. that. Well, that's the thing. Support the local places because guess what? The Daniel Bryans, the CM Punks, the Roman Reigns. Guess where they all started? Well, and you've got uh, when we were out at uh, when we were out at Holiday Bash, uh, T.I.M., also known as Timmy Lou Retton, wrestled in one of the matches there, and he's an AML guy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and hey, another little plug, little shout out, Marcus Cross. How many? I got. We got to see him uh, in uh, at Holiday Bash in Charlotte. He, uh, now, granted, he was get, he was in a squash mount, match to the Ass Boys and Billy Gunn, and Billy Gunn made that that man look like a toddler. Which that's no that's no shot at Marcus Cross. Billy Gunn's huge, <laughs> but well, how much is so Marcus? Cool see how much is Marcus guy. coming off of uh, rehabbing? Because he he hasn't been long off of a kind of a bad. Was it an ACL or an MCL tear? Dude, there was so much wrong in that in that knee that I, I don't even know where to begin. But the fact of the matter is, is he just really put his nose to the ground and you know just busted ass to get healthy again. And and it, it's very, very impressive how fast he's come back, the work that he's put in. Uh, in my opinion, Marcus Cross is one of the best in the game at taking bumps and making it look like he just got obliterated. Well, straight yeah, up, yeah, and he's he's you know serving a purpose right now for that but it, the matches that I want to see him in are against guys like uh shit I don't even know his, his AEW name uh Evan Bourne hold on Matt Sidell Sidell yeah the the, the Sidell brothers um the Nimeth uh Nimeth guy who's Dolph Ziggler's brother who's out there those Ryan, are the, Ryan Ryan Nemeth Ryan Nemeth those are the guys who should be wrestling cross and I'm just wondering like if he is still at the point of, hey, I can go do this and I can go do that, but I'm not quite to the point of doing, you know, a sunset flip off the top rope and landing on my feet. Absolutely. So, yeah, dude, I mean, I have 100% and I agree with you. Everybody, even if you think, oh, it's not the armory, this is going to be, you know, a little shit show. Dude, some of the best matches that I've ever seen are down at the armory with two uh, little known guys. I don't want to say no name because if you're in the, you know, if you're in your local wrestling, they all are very well known. Uh, you know, some of the lesser known indie promotions, like they have great matches, like you said, on a week to week basis. Yeah, and you know, I was I was in the National Guard for a while and got to see them set up quite a few matches in in the local armory. And it just wound up that I was one of the guys there one weekend who was a huge wrestling fan and talking to these guys. And they're like, hey, you, can you fit in this costume? I'm like, yeah, no wrestling experience or nothing. I got to be a pro wrestler for 24 hours. Coolest shit I've ever nice. done. Coolest shit I've ever done. Got got to take a, t- a chair shot, a big body slam, uh, come off the middle rope and bust my ass. And I will not... I wouldn't change that experience for the world because I love pro fucking wrestling. A hundred percent. A hundred, hundred, hundred percent. All right. Well, well, let's see. What else do we have to go over? We've, we've hit Dan Housen. Jesus, I can't get his damn name right. We just, hit Dan Housen. Well, we're going to we change said, the name. You know what? Here, we're going to change the name of Swanton Pod to Swanton Pod Housen. So you have to, you have to get it right. Okay, deal. Now, on that note... I'm oh, so or, or are you going to be Roadhouse housing? I could be Roadhousing. I like Roadhouse housing. Okay. I, I, I like it. I, I'm down with it. So, on that note, I'm so glad you said the name of our, our, our podcast, hashtag SwantonPod. 
what are your thoughts with WWE royally fucking up the situation with Jeff Hardy? Not only that, but then Jeff Hardy's tests coming back negative, them wanting him back, and even offering him a Hall of Fame spot and denying. They 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 politicked it. Um hundred percent. I, I don't like talking politics on this podcast because I get into enough of unapologetic subjects on the Checkmate with Bishman Knight podcast. Another shameless plug. Thank you guys for going over and checking us out. I don't like mixing <laughs> politics with wrestling because that is my escape from the world that is around us and everything we have to see all the time from the news to the radio and everything else. But that's what WWE did. To, to Jeff Hardy is they politicked him. They, when Matt Hardy left and they saw the happiness, the quality of life, everything he was posting on his social media and Twitter and everything else, and knowing how close him and his brother are, Jeff became, I mean, he, they put him in the fucking 24 7 title picture. Are you shitting me? They wanted to send him to, a veteran, a hall, a future Hall of Famer, which they tried to get him to go to the Hall of Fame. He's like, no, fuck off, and I can't blame him. But they tried right. to get him to go down to NXT 2.0 to help them with their rebrand to do the position that Matt Riddle was doing as kind of this the wise sensei to one of the tag teams. I would have been mm-hmm. like, fuck you too. That would have been me. And, uh, you know, apparently there was a spot in the match that he didn't like, and he was like, I'm healthy. I'm clean. You know what? Uh, I don't care. And he 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 walked off. Matt uh, Rebby, uh, as much as I don't like Rebby and what she puts out on social media and the way that she treats people, I think that she has been a godsend to her brother-in-law, especially defending him on various social media platforms, saying that he's in a good place, but he is an emotional individual. And he was so frustrated that rather than showing his ass and making it worse for the company and himself, he just walked out of that match, rode off gracefully into the sunset, and now he doesn't have to worry about legalities. He knew for a fact his drug test would come back clean, but the WWE Mm -hmm. bullshitted him to make his character look worse. Now, they did it in a smart way to where they can't really be sued for defamation of character. However... Matt's going to vouch for him. Rebby's going to vouch for him. He has his own reputation with a lot of those guys in the locker room, including Sting, who he wrestled his worst ever high out of his mind match against. And he can come in and just be Jeff Hardy. He's been good for a long time. He's been okay for a long time. He's had demons in the past, and maybe I'm on his side because I've been through some of the same things that he has, but he's yep. good, you know? Jeff... And he was doing it. He was doing it. Yeah. He was getting clean, staying clean. That's the shitty part. And he was jobbing. He got yep. re-signed to WWE. He re-signed the contract on the grounds that he would be able to give his Willow character light to this platform. And I think he's going to come back in to AEW, hit the ground running, healthy. He's an artistic individual. He's abstract. I think he is going to bring so much value, not only to the character, whatever it may be, but also to that locker room as far as creativity, abstract ideas, signings. I think him and Tony are going to have some great conversations. And I think WWE really, really dropped the ball on what they did with him, trying to be spiteful. Yep, 100%. So I agree with everything that you said, and I don't want to jump off topic. However, I'm sitting here scrolling my Facebook feed, and uh, AEW just dropped a uh, a little announcement. Are you ready for this? Hold on. Still, still holding. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm still holding. Oh, you're uh, holding for I'm, me. No, I'm, 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 wait, wait. You, you'll know when I'm ready. What you mean, my boy? AEW has announced that Brian Kendrick will be making his AEW Dynamite debut tomorrow against John Moxley. The 
Brian Kendrick? The, the Brian Kendrick. I'm pretty excited about this. How do you feel about how Moxley looks now that his treatment is uh, over? So here's what I'll say. As someone who, Knight, I know you can also relate to, because I can relate to, as someone who's gone through addiction and or has dabbled into the issues of addiction, do I think he looks skinnier and smaller? Yes. Do I give a shit as long as I know that he's happy and clean? Absolutely not. And I think that the fact that he walked in and called someone a piece of shit motherfucker, I think it was the best thing I've ever watched on TV in a wrestling ring. Oh, yeah. That, beyond a doubt, it was great. What I'm kind of alluding to with this is not to shit on Moxley or his situation in any way, because like you said, I share many of the same experiences that he does. I think he should do a Chris Jericho here and kind of not change his persona so much, but change his presentation of his persona. Kind of almost re reinvent, if you will. I really liked when he went to New Japan and was in boots, knee pads, and shorts. Oh, yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. I was also a fan of, of, of said ring gear and persona. That really fit his lighter physique better than... Yeah. The back, because that's one thing. I've been skinny except for now when I have a dad gut, and it, <laughs> all my all my extremities are skinny all my life. And the thing that changed, I don't know my my fashion sense a bunch was like a Time magazine thing saying how you should dress for your body type when I was in like tenth grade, and I was wearing like baggy jeans make fat guys look fatter than skinny jeans. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's the damnedest thing. Tighter fitting clothes with certain patterns do better things. But I think that him wearing smaller gear would make him have the presence that his personality deserves. 110% I agree with you. And I was uh, I was such a fan of him in New Japan and his badassery. So I'm 100% on board. I do want to see Big Mox at some point too. Like I really, I like that Chris Jericho kind of changed his lean physique to the, you know, not to not to say he borrowed anything from Matt the Dad Bod Knight over here, but the <laughs> the fact that New Japan really likes filled out guys. Yep, I agree hundred percent. I see her rolling up, Uber black Cadillac, high heel boots, and a sexy body full of tats. Baby's bad, oh baby's hella bad. After her, there ain't no coming back. Wanna take a run at that? I think she's feeling me. Turn it up a few degrees. My imagination of her body gets the best of me. Oh gosh, she's such a tease. Bitten lips, bruised knees. I'm addicted to her, need her touching me. Cause she got a bad little waist, and we tearing down this place. Off the liquor that we chase. Show you how I make everything just fade away Cause she's like sex, drugs, cocaine 